Welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And I'm Tom Martin. And we like to complain about YouTube. (laughs) 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 No, we're two guys who have been working behind the scenes on YouTube, managing YouTube channels, managing YouTube networks. We're not in front of the screen people, not because we're not good looking, but just maybe not our thing right now. But yes, (laughs) but yes, we have many years of experience managing uh, millions upon billions of views and videos. Tom, how are things? They're very well, thank you. But um, as I said to you before we started recording, we need to keep our intro very, very short today because we have got an almighty topic to talk about today. An absolutely kind of seismic change, one of the biggest changes in years on YouTube and you know, certainly the biggest change to the platform since we started recording this podcast um, however long ago that was now, it seems like we've been doing it forever. So, um, luckily, um, Carlos has already given me his weather update, uh, <laughs> offline. <laughs> so we know all about the Toronto weather offline. It's um, great. So we can dive. Uh, it's great. It's, and it's sunny here. Uh, and so we can dive straight in, but first of course, we need to say thank you to our headline sponsor, TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is the ultimate tool for creators to streamline their daily workflow on YouTube, allowing more time to make great content. For brands to help reduce busy work and focus on what matters, growing your business on YouTube. For agencies to help manage multiple client channels and for networks to which gives partners the tools for success and an attractive incentive for recruitment. How do people sign up to TubeBuddy, Tom? Well, in case there's a tiny chance you're not already using TubeBuddy, which of course you should be, you can get an exclusive multi-channel license only by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. As I said earlier, absolutely seismic changes announced in the last week or so Uh, and this is of course in reference to the changes to kids content on youtube so we're going to start off by trying to lay out the the facts of the matter uh as soon as 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 we can as quick as we can and as clean as we can there's a lot to go through Uh, and then we're going to actually speak to somebody who's been affected by these changes and then we're going to start to break down the changes in a bit more detail and give our opinion on what this means for us, for the industry, and for the wider online video and kids space. So, Carlos, can you kick us off by, you know, as succinctly as possible, explaining what the hell has happened in the last few weeks with kids' content on YouTube? By the time this episode comes out, which should be mid to late September, early September, Federal Trade Commission fined YouTube $170 million for collecting data and targeting ads to children. It's a violation of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, COPPA. Uh, it's a small fine, uh, but it, it's significant, right? And as part of the settlement, uh, YouTube has to stop collecting data on, on videos that are targeted towards children, anybody under the age of 12. YouTubers who create videos for children, like unboxing or toys toys and nursery rhymes, must clearly label their content as being intended for kids. And this is important because um, the FTC, you know, in the past, you could say the FTC would go after YouTube. Now they're going to go after creators. So you have to be fully responsible for your content going forward, which is huge. Yeah. And so what's not going to happen is YouTube is not going to remove the content. Um, so there will still be plenty of kids content available. I think there'll be a lot more effort going into the YouTube kids app. We'll talk about that a bit later. But what the actual policy process from YouTube is, is that any video that is targeting and featuring, I think this is important, targeting or featuring kids under the age of 13 will no longer be eligible for a number of things. The biggest change being that there will be no interest-based ads played against that content. So to put that in context, it means 
basically the almost end of monetization of kids content. Um, so well, do you want to, can you clarify a bit more? Yeah. So interest-based ads, right? So interest-based ads means that YouTube tracks what your behavior has been before, right? And there's interest-based and there's contextual-based ads, right? And then interest-based ads have become sort of like the, the de facto targeting for a lot of YouTube content and a lot of advertising in general, which is a, a lot less waiting for the, um, the, the the user to type in their search query and then serving the ads based on their searches. It's serving the ads based on what you've watched in the past, your behavior, right? And it, that doesn't require a search, right? It could be just a video that you saw and you clicked on. So that's the difference here. And the reason why I'm making a point here is that, and this is explained as well by our sort of guru of the industry, Daryl Eves. Sorry for calling him a guru, but he's just, he's, he's amazing as well. But those are the most valuable ad- types of advertising targeting, right? Uh, brands love that because it's effective. It works really well. And what that is going to mean is that monetization is going to drop significantly. doesn't mean you're not being monetized. It just means that the ads, the value of those ads are going to be much lower than contextual or, or you know, targeted ads. Yeah, and I think it's maybe skipping ahead on what we, we planned as, as our agenda, but let's try and put some context into this. So mm-hmm. most of the advertising that gets played around kids' content, and this is from the experience of having kids that watch a lot of YouTube and having managed kids' content for big companies for years and years, is that the majority of the ads around kids' content is not relevant to kids. (laughs) So when my kids are watching cartoons or whatever it may be, they're going to be getting adverts for Gillette razors and Visit Iceland and Honda trucks and all of this other stuff that's got nothing to do with kids' content because the account holder is essentially being targeted, which is me or my wife or whoever it may be. And so it's that you know kind of glut of advertising spend that's being aimed at adults going against kids' content that's really been fueling this industry since its inception, and it's that money that's really going to go away. It's tough to say, and but it, it is. I feel sort of like de- you know it's going to be devastating for a lot of kids' channels out there. Yeah, and I, I didn't see uh, Daryl's video, so I'm not sure if he mentioned it. But I was listening to a, another great podcast on the on the subject by somebody who is very much at the the heart of the the matter. His name is Sean McKnight, and he runs a number of channels, some which touch on the kind of kids and family space. And he estimated, and, you know, this isn't from YouTube, this is his opinion, he estimated that up to like 85% of, you know, some of these channels' revenue is coming from those interest-based ads. And can you imagine, you know, overnight losing 80% of your kind of, uh, you know, revenue runway that you're expecting to come each month? Yeah, I mean it's it's uh I can't say it isn't uh, I can't say it's unexpected. <laughs> That's the weird part, right? It, it's one of those things that um having been in the traditional uh, media industry and having been in introduced production company, we would look at, at at videos for kids online and I would talk to some of the uh television producers, the ones making kid content and they were like telling me but what about COPPA? <laughs> and I would say, well, it seems like there's not a big issue here, but um, it just felt like this big sort of like uh, shadow that was going to come sooner or later. And I didn't realize it was going to, even I didn't realize it was going to be this intense or this hard so quickly. Yeah, I, I kind of had some inside information, which was not from YouTube directly, but from someone very much involved in the industry uh, and they said they n- expected this to come, but probably not for a couple of years. So I am, I'm not surprised it's happened, but I'm surprised at which the speed that it has happened uh, and also how widespread it's been. It's, you know, it's kind of a, 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 a carpet bomb of, of, the, of the whole sector. Um, but it's not only revenue. 
Uh, and obviously, you know, for most people, it's all about revenue, but also, you know, that you know, for, for the hope that you can still do brand deals or sponsorships, there are other impacts to, uh, to kids' content as well beyond revenue. Can you outline a bit more what else has been impact apart from the ability to monetize? What, what, what is going to happen to, to this content that is aimed at, at kids under 13? So obviously you as the creator are going to have to label it. If you don't label it that it's directed towards kids, you run a big risk from being pursued by the FTC. YouTube is going to be paying attention to that. And, you know, obviously if you don't label it and they decide it's a kid's uh, content, you know, you might run into issues uh, there. Um, well, guaranteed you're going to run into issues as well. We know that uh, YouTube kids, ha- a lot of channels have been taken off YouTube kids over the last few weeks. The, you know, like uh, we're seeing, you know, channels go from like, you know, hundreds of thousands of views to zero views uh, overnight. And uh, once again, this is one of those, like, I'm surprised it took this long for YouTube to finally, you know, get their act together with the YouTube kids app, because, you know, since the beginning, it's been a, a hot mess of an app in terms of like the content in it versus the content out of it. They're just nobody understood how how to be in the app or not right i mean th- that's essentially the the, the 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 one of some of the main things that i've sort of like uh, read about in terms of what's what's changing for that yeah so i've also heard from various sources that the kind of search and discoverability of this content is also going to be massively affected so you know things like the ability to be appearing in suggested is going to be hurt because obviously the date is not tracked so how can you properly suggest content to people if there's no kind of uh, data collected on previous uh, watch history for kids' content. Uh, And then it's things like there'll be no comments on kids' content Mm -hmm. and there'll be no autoplay potentially. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I've also heard there'll be no playlist ability for kids' content. So, you know, some of the basic kind of audience development tools that we've taken for granted for years and years will will not be available come January. And we must stress that they have been given until uh, of the 1st of January to get their house in shape. Yeah, I mean, the discoverability thing is a big one. And that's one that essentially turns you into a TV show, meaning that the only way people are going to find you is for you to promote it outside of the ecosystem from a traditional standpoint. Yeah, because I, I also remember that there'll be no notifications for kids' content either. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And then um, what I mean by that is that you're going to need to spend money. <laughs> That's essentially it, right? You're going to have to like do PR. I mean, this is assuming you're like a big company and you can afford this stuff, but like, you know, for small creators, it's not, it's not going to be possible, but like discoverability is going to mean that somebody has to know your brand, know your product and search for it specifically to find it. And it's not going to be recommended next to another video. It's not going to be, you know, autoplayed and all that sort of stuff. So it means that you're going to, YouTube part of YouTube is going to turn into almost like a streaming platform, a, a television streaming platform, where the only way you're can be played is by somebody sort of like looking for your content and you know knowing who you are before anything. Yeah, and I, I think this is what's really important to say is that we we're kind of talking about this with a level of separation. For me personally, if you've listened to to previous episodes, you know that I've been looking to kind of acquire and uh, distribute a lot of content on YouTube uh, for my own interests. Kids was a huge, huge part of that. And, you know, I've kind of been fortunate that my progress has been slow because I would have invested a lot of money on something that is probably not now going to ever would have, you know, make a return on that investment. And it makes me really think about some of the big companies that have made huge investments in kids' properties recently and how that will affect them. But ultimately, you know, there are there are humans, you know, I think the big companies will probably stand to lose more total dollars, but then there's, you know, bedroom creators that have whole businesses and lives and livelihoods. You know, they're putting food on their family's table with these kids' channels, and that's almost been taken away overnight and i think you know there are humans at the end of this and we need to remember that too we've actually got an interview with somebody uh who's a good friend of mine 
um, that we're about to play you next. I don't think it'd be an over-exaggeration to say that, you know, she's been heartbroken by the changes that have been announced and also some changes that were already underway uh, before this. Uh, and, you know, I'm kind of heartbroken for her as well because I, I was so proud before that of the, of the amazing progress that she's made on, on her kids' channel. So we're going to run this short interview with uh, my good friend Anna Tyree now, uh, and then we'll be back to discuss what she said and the wider implications of what we discuss after this. So I'm extremely, extremely happy to welcome someone I've known for a couple of years and uh, I'd like to call a friend. Her name is Anna Tyree and I'll, I'll let her talk a bit more about her channels, but I've known Anna for a number of years now on the kind of uh, YouTube local events circuit here in London and she's very active in a, a lot of kind of similar Facebook groups and communities that we're a part of. So Anna, welcome to the Video Insiders podcast. Just tell us a little bit about you and your uh, kind of YouTube history, if you will. Fabulous. Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I started YouTube many years ago, um, just kind of fell into it, I think, as many people do as a bit of a hobby and very quickly realized that it could become my career and um, got a bit carried away, <laughs> I'd say, because um, I now I now have four channels and um, and lately I have been thinking about starting another one. Um, it's like I'm addicted. <laughs> I have. You're not alone. Yeah, I I I, t- I tend to like to give to the wider community. I, I like to do things that that either give on knowledge or entertainment. And so most of my channels are around enlightening or educating. So I have an English education channel, a singing education channel to help people be confident in singing, um, a children's channel. And just really for my benefit, I have like a mummy, a mummy vlog because I recently had a, a baby and, and I like recording our story and having the motivation, the reasoning behind filming his life, really. And so how long have you been on YouTube and how long has it been like a full-time operation for you? Because I know it wasn't always that way. No, well, I, d- I decided to take the plunge and go full-time about three years ago. It'll be coming up for three years once we hit Christmas. Um, I, I basically left my, my job and became full-time um, at the worst point, because I didn't know YouTube well enough, just after Christmas, when you have that big stop, yeah. <laughs> I gave up my really great paying job to go full time on YouTube and then panicked because for the next three months, all my AdSense dropped. And I was like, what is going on? And then realized that this happens all the time and I should have known better. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was a steep learning curve. And, um, but, you know, I think if you're passionate about this, then, you know, there's, there's, there's always ways around things. There's all other ways to monetize and, uh, and I've worked it out. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I know your biggest channel is your English language, uh, education channel. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. We're hopefully going to hit half a million oh, wow. in the next month or so. And I know from that, that you have kind of diversified your income stream and your, you have like courses and, and stuff like that. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's very easy with educational content, especially adult educational content. It's quite easy to diversify your income. We have uh, courses. I sell eBooks and, and lesson notes. Um, I make um, a reasonable amount through a Patreon and um, through the memberships that YouTube now offers. Uh, so that helps to kind of, it's all these little streams yeah. of income that, that um, all help to pay the rent, as it were. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think I'd do anything else. So sometimes I do live streams and I'll occasionally get um, super chats. Mm-hmm. I, it used to be a lot, a lot better than it is these days, but I don't really push for it because I know a lot of my viewers don't have much money uh, and that's why I'm giving them free education. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I do okay from, from the other income sources and mainly, um, it's sponsorships. Yeah. Well, that's a fantastic story and something I'd love to maybe get you back to speak on a little bit more about, because I don't think there's enough people that are diversifying their income streams, but it's a, a slightly more somber story that we're actually here to discuss today. Yeah. And I, I remember speaking to you 
it must have been about two years ago and you were telling me that you know you just launched a, a kids channel and or you were about to launch a kids channel and we were just having a quick chat on skype i you know i remember kind of not being pessimistic but saying you know you're doing everything great you're making great videos but you just need to realize how competitive this is and it's going to take time to cut through and you need to consistently upload for a while and then before i know it the channel is absolutely blown up and you know you've put in all of that dedication and success has has come from that consistency and dedication and you even got featured on uh, another a big youtube channel uh, talking about your success and can you kind of talk about the levels of uh, of growth that you achieved and how many daily views you were getting and uh, yeah. the kind of the the, the happy tale of um, what what is Bella and Beans TV? Yeah, so um, this started as a passion project uh, because we felt there was a need within YouTube Kids, the YouTube Kids niche, to to provide live characters, educational, wholesome content. And um, so initially it was all just a bit of fun with this very wholesome angle. Um, and it was a lot of work. But we were very dedicated, loved ex- everything we were doing, which I think really kind of showed through what we, what we were putting out. Um, Initially, like you said, it was very competitive, very difficult to cut through. So obviously took a lot of advice from from you and from um, people like Daryl Eves and um, followed everything you guys said to the T. And suddenly one video just just launched us. Um, I th- that one video, I think, was a baby shark cover. Yeah. Um, and just out of nowhere it started really gaining traction and where before our biggest videos were maybe a thousand or a couple of thousand views um these were videos that we'd really pushed through all my other channels as well suddenly this video was getting millions of views and that obviously had an impact on every other video on the channel and the overall um channel subscriber count as well and i think within a couple of months we went from having under a thousand subscribers and um, we, we didn't qualify for the monetization and the YouTube partner program. And then overnight <laughs> we shot up yeah. and within a couple of months we had over a hundred thousand subscribers and we had millions and millions of views um, and were monetized very quickly. And so pretty much within a six month period, we went from just kind of messing around and having a play and trying to, cut through a little to having to find a whole team to back us up to turning our uh, business into an actual company to register as a company to um, hire accountants hire illustrators hire editors um, upgrade all of our kits um, and just really start to take the whole thing seriously because suddenly we were getting those views. Every video we put out would just take off and it suddenly became very serious and exciting. So a lot of us, because uh, there's three members of the core team of Bella and Beans TV and um, two of us actually made big changes in our lives in order to focus on this particular business. Um, my my counterpart on, on the screen, the guy who plays Beans, he gave up a lot of work because um, he he's an actor and a musician, and he gave up a lot of contracts that would take him through to the end of this year, because he didn't want to be taken away from filming and and working towards Bell and sure. Beans, and um, and I think I was just telling you before we started this podcast that I did things like enroll my my son into childcare early in order to free up some time so I could um, focus on the channel and um, and yeah just I started to allow my other channels to drop a little bit and didn't kind of do all the all the work that I would normally do to keep those income streams up and to keep feeding those channels you know what it's like you have yeah. to maintain momentum yeah and so I allowed the momentum to drop um with English Like a Native by English channel, which I said we're due to hit half a million um, within the next month, the target at the beginning of the year for that channel was to hit a million by the end of this year. So you can see how far off the target we are. And that's that was a, a choice that, that I made was to allow that to lapse because 
I wanted to focus on better and being. Yeah. So it really did take over our lives in a very short space of time. And then I remember then, you know, seeing at that time a post from you saying I oh, would hit a hundred thousand subscribers and just, I was, you know, not that I had absolutely anything to do with <laughs> the success, not even at half a percent, but I just remember being so full with pride, seeing that you'd hit a hundred thousand and, and so, so quickly in such a competitive space. But then I don't know what the, the timeline exactly was, but maybe just a few months after that, so maybe two, three months, I saw another post from you, which was kind of the opposite uh, of the joy of that post. I think it's probably better to, to come from me if you can explain kind of what that overnight change yeah. meant for you, what the change was and, and yeah. how that affected your channel. Um, so I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast will know about the announcements and the big changes that are hitting uh, YouTube and the kids niche because of what's happened with the FTC. Um, the way we experienced it, um, earlier in kind of April, May time, we noticed that we suddenly weren't being served on the YouTube Kids app. That was quite unusual. We mean um, receiving quite a few views through YouTube Kids. We are very wholesome. We don't have any strikes or any copyright issues. We we're like, okay, I don't understand this. No one was giving us any answers, but it wasn't a big deal because the majority of our views were coming through the main YouTube um, platform. And we were still getting like, we were getting half a million views every 48 hours. So we weren't too concerned, but we were trying to find out what was going on. And then it was around the 11th of July, literally overnight, I got a message from my partner on the channel saying, uh, Beans, my counterpart, saying something's wrong. And we've had, we'd had this a few weeks before, and I think it was an outage or something that was just um, making, it was skewing the the reporting. So I wasn't too concerned, but I had a look and saw there was a big cliff edge drop on, on our views um, and our traffic. And I was like, mm, okay, that's a bit odd. It's obviously a glitch, obviously yeah. a glitch. It's too big a cliff edge um, to, to be anything other than a glitch in reporting. And then as the hours tick by, you start to become more and more nervous seeing that it's literally our channel had flatlined. So we'd gone from seeing about 500,000 views in 48 hours down to a couple of thousand. So it completely taken the wind out of our sails and it didn't recover. And it became apparent after weeks and weeks and weeks of waiting and everyone talking that a big change had happened and we were just all in the dark about it. And I think that was the most difficult thing is that it took about three or four weeks before anything official came out um, to, to let us know what what was going on and and we in that time had to let go all of our all of our freelancers our um our uh, accountant our illustrator we'd just taken on editors we had to let them go because we we're paying them on a weekly basis quite a lot of money which we could afford out of the bella and beans income mm. but suddenly if the if that wasn't going to be the case anymore if we weren't going to be getting this income then we just couldn't afford to keep keep them up. Um, so I had to let um, all these people down, which was quite unfortunate. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it then took another month. It's only recently now that we've actually had official word from YouTube about what's gone on, what's expected. And, um, and I think that's the biggest shame really as, as a creator who I pride myself on trying to make sure that I, you know, I'm doing exactly what YouTube want within the guidelines all the time, trying to provide the, the best content I can muster in my little kitchen and <laughs> from my limited skills. Um, I try to do my very, very best. And we hear all the time YouTube talking about, um, you know, being very transparent and open and supportive as as much as they can be and yet there still feels like there's this wall yeah. that we can't have a conversation an open conversation with youtube at the point of disaster for for us for me it's a complete life changer for my for my partner beans who has given up work he's in a, in a really tough place right now you know, he's had to go out and get completely unrelated work, you know, the kind of soul-destroying work that he wouldn't normally do because he's given up on contracts that would normally see him through to the end of the year. Um, 
And so it was a bit of a disaster. It had gone from being very exciting that we finally cut through and were growing really fast to what are we going to do now? And it's, it, I, I can see even more so that why it's a head scratcher, um, because as I, you know, as people may or may not know, you are a parent, uh, of a, of a very young, uh, and very cute, uh, little <laughs> one. Um, and so, you know, your content is absolutely family friendly. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing of that could even be hinted at as, unadvertiser friendly or unfamily friendly. So have you had any direct conversation with anyone at YouTube? Have you been managed to get anyone on the phone, on email, in person, either yeah. officially, unofficially? And yeah, so I, I have a partner manager and we have been talking a lot through this. I probably sent far more, far too many emails, more emails than I've ever sent before. Um, and I'm sure she was probably getting quite fed up with me. Um, but in the first instance, we were just clutching at straws. We were trying to figure out what was going on. And, um, and my partner manager didn't really seem to know what was going on. She was, she was also trying to get some answers. Um, the only, the only thing that seemed to come back, I think, and I think it's related to why we weren't being served on the YouTube kids app was, um, that our channel was repetitive. That's the only feedback I've got that we're repetitive. And, and that's, a, that's a very difficult, <laughs> generic yeah. thing to hear because we our channel was aimed at preschoolers preschoolers need repetition preschoolers latch on to i'm sure you know you've got lots of kids yeah they latch on to something that they love and it's only through doing variations of of this this theme that they're um going to really take interest and yeah. so you're you're working hard to do what you believe in and feel is right as also you're working hard to appease the the algorithm so that you actually get served to your audience and then you're trying to do something that you know the children will enjoy so you get good retention and so you're trying very hard to spin all these plates and juggle everything in the right way and then suddenly it's deemed that what you're doing is not right <laughs> yeah. not really much explanation that's the most frustrating thing yeah, because I remember when you uh, the the baby shark cover first went went um, viral, shall we say? You you posted a question like, "What do I do next to capitalize on it?" And I said, "Make more baby shark covers." Like yeah. yes, like yesterday, which I still think is great advice, mm -hmm. at, at least for the time. Um, so th they've, they've said maybe that you know you are doing maybe compilations are a bit repetitive, but some of your competitors have built empires on yeah. repetition uh, i won't mention any names everyone knows Absolutely. the names how have some of your competition fared since that kind of july date because i know this hasn't affected everyone in the same no. way and this is where this is where the confusion became even deeper uh, and this is where <laughs> all the emails from me um stemmed from is that i was looking across the board at um you know very successful channels um ones that i consider to be fantastic channels in the niche and what seemed to be the case is that all the official channels things like the Oh, maybe I shouldn't mention their names, but all official channels, things, channels that you would find. Like um, TV shows on, Yeah, things like you'd see on BBC iPlayer or um, Netflix. Yeah. Those channels that are officially offering that material, they they doubled their traffic overnight. So it was evident from the day that it dropped for us, all our traffic was going to the trusted channels, should we say. And yeah. that makes sense. You know, if YouTube are having trouble and they're wanting to, you know, send all their traffic to the right places, then they're going to go with channels that they know and trust. And, and that kind of makes sense. But what didn't make sense was there was some of the mid-range channels in the niche that were incredibly repetitive. I, there was one I pinpointed and pointed out to my manager that had something like six versions of the same song within a three-week period. Yeah, And I'm like, how... How is that? And this channel had seen a huge spike and huge surge around the J July date that we'd had the drop. It's like, how are they, um, how are they doing okay? And yeah. they are seriously repetitive. And yet we've been, we've been dropped as it were, um, for being repetitive. And actually what we were doing was 
writing our own lyrics and doing our own orchestrations and, you know, giving a different feel, just to having the same melody and maybe the same, so it would be like a family finger thing or it'd be a, a, um, a peekaboo song based on Baby Shark or something like that. So it'd have the same sort of theme, but it would be completely original. Um, so it did feel very unjust and unfair. <laughs> I was sulking for about a month. Yeah, and it makes it makes it makes total sense. So, uh, how has the the channel fared since kind of July? As we record this, we're in kind of mid September. Yeah. Um, has there been any light at the end of the tunnel since then? So we have seen a slight um, uh, re. What's the word? We've retraced, retraced slightly yeah. about maybe about ten percent. And so now the channel is, I think we're around 80,000 views every 48 hours, which if it was just my channel and it, it wasn't as much diff- as much hard work as it is, I'd be really happy with that. Um, th- the income that it provides on AdSense would be enough to tide me over to cover the costs if it was just me yeah. and it was, it was an easier channel. But with all the outgoings that that channel requires – um, the difficulties of setup, the creations of, of everything we do on that channel, it's not enough. Um, and so the channel or working ordinarily is still working at a loss. And people say, oh, diversify your income. You shouldn't be relying on AdSense. But when you're playing to preschoolers, and especially once we've had our, we've had our communication with our audience cut off, it's impossible really yeah. to diversify until you have a huge brand that you could then maybe merchandise and, you know, like um, Pink Fong has or some of yeah. these huge channels that are known throughout the world. You're not going to be able to easily diversify your income when you're playing to such small kids. I mean, as a parent, I know I, I will put my, my, my son down in front of the TV I'll put something on for him so that I can go and do the washing up. Yeah. And so it's not even like we're really getting the chance to talk to parents because the parents aren't really watching. They'll, they'll watch maybe one or two episodes to make sure it's, it's cool and they're happy for us to, to play to their children. But, um, but yeah, it's very, very difficult. AdSense is really important to us. And, um, and I, I'm still now unsure moving forward whether, um, if we're not allowed to collect data, and that's cool, I'm all for protecting children, but is it going to mean that we're not able to do sponsorships within our videos? And is that going to be this advertising to children thing? Is that is it not going to be allowed? Because that will have an impact on whether you can even do sponsored sponsored videos with with brands. Yeah, I think the future of the kids' niche is is very uncertain. Yeah, well, within the last few days and what the the rest of this podcast will, will talk about mainly is the the recent further update from YouTube where they basically said interest-based ads will be disabled across all kids' content. So even the channels that kind of escaped the, the wave of demonetization, shall we say, that, that hit your channel – that is probably going to come for all channels come January um, and maybe hit harder than even it it hit you the first time. So it's very unsure. Um, If anyone follows me on social media, you see that I've just been retweeting articles now with just pictures of hammers because the nails are just seem to be unfortunately going into the coffin of, uh, Mm. of, of, of kids on YouTube, at least until they can really start to spin up the kids app, uh, and start to get more ways to monetize that as things stand and knowing what, you know, what do you see as the, as the future for, for better and beans TV? So since everything happened, we've, we've only released a couple of videos. We we're basically, we continue to ask for reviews Um, I don't think we've had one yet, but we do continue to ask to be reviewed. We're just putting our all into every episode we do put out. But as it stands, we have decided to pivot up a little bit. We're not going outside of of the kids, the under 13. Um, We're pivoting up to the key stage one, key stage two age, which is like six up to nine. It's going to be very difficult. We've discussed a plan for our, our series moving forward. But I think 
what we're going to have to do and what we are going to do is to record maybe four or five videos in this new series that is so educational and so right for the age that we're aiming for. We can't be doubted. Um, it's going to be completely original, nothing uh, recognizable whatsoever other than the characters, Bella and Beans. And so this is our kind of our way of saying, look, this is what we have to offer. If you like it, then you need to support us because we can't do this without being funded. And if you don't like it, then we're going to move on and Bella and Beans will have to die a death. <laughs> oh, no. Well, all, my, all, of our, all of my fingers are crossed, all of our audience fingers are crossed, um, and we hope that you can – you know, I know how smart you are and, and what you're doing on your other channels. So I know that you'll do everything that is humanly possible to, um, to, to claw back any drop off that you've seen. So, mm. um, thank you so much, uh, for your time. Really appreciate your insight. And I know it's going to be really useful for, for other creators in a, a similar situation. And, uh, best of luck to you, family and business for the future. If people want to see, uh, hear more from you or, check out any of your channels what's the best way for them to do that um well <laughs> it depends what they're into really um if you want to check out the bella and beans tv then just head over to us on youtube and we're very easy to find just searching the name otherwise you can you can join me on instagram which is anna's big adventure thank you anna so so much it's been a pleasure and uh i'm sure we'll continue to talk about this uh, offline too um, thank you so much and best of luck thank you bye bye wow that was a, a very awesome interview and I'm like you know sort of like feeling for her I don't think it's a lost cause because she does create educational content you know she can pivot quite easily in, in a more sort of like mature landscape it's not going to be easy for small creators, but overall, great interview, Tom. Yeah, it's um, it's it was pretty tough for me to to um, to get Anna to to speak about this, but she's very open and transparent, and is you know very willing for other people to kind of learn from from her experiences. So. Anna, we cannot thank you enough. And again, we'd love to um, to wish you all the best on YouTube going forward and on other platforms. So I wanted to sort of like also acknowledge another uh, creator, Andrew Short, aka Brickadillo on YouTube, who makes Lego themed animation videos. He he sent uh, us a, a, an email last week asking a lot of questions about this and just asking for our thoughts and obviously being very generous and sort of like giving us ideas to talk about, right? And he gave us uh, a huge list of questions that in no way we can answer all in, in this show. So what we'll do is we'll write a blog post, post his, his questions and answer them in a blog post on uh, videoinsiders.fm for you guys to read. And uh, hopefully we can give some insights on our perspective on this. What does this mean for YouTube in general? What are your thoughts on this, Tom? Yeah, well, obviously they've been hit with a, with a, with a fine, uh, 172 million, which seems pretty lean compared to mm -hmm. you know the the fine that Facebook got recently, which I believe was in the billions. Also, considering it's to do with the collection of data of children specifically, which kind of seems a little bit more questionable than mm -hmm. other other practices also they've been given four months to en enact these changes and this is the golden we're going now into the golden quarter for ad revenues so this is where youtube made the lion's share of their money in uh, you know september october especially november and december and so 172 million is going to be made up multiple times in that four months so there is no fine really uh if they had asked you know to cut off from today then it would have had a bit more impact but the fact that they've got four months to enact the changes means that they can continue to make as much money as they can on kids content until then uh and that will easily eclipse 172 mm -hmm. million so that's again a bit of a strange decision, but uh, kudos to to YouTube for for getting that agreed. But really, 
you know, YouTube are also going to massively, massively hurt going forward because kids' content makes up a huge, huge, huge percentage of views. I've heard it. I've heard it estimated up to like a third of views are coming from people under thirteen. Um, so this is going to really, really, really affect their bottom line going forward. But I suppose the cynical part of me says, well, you know, they've had a good run. We like to say in the, in the UK, we say they've had a good innings. And really, they've been getting away with this for years and probably would have continued to do so unless the FTC had, had kind of stepped in or a complaint had been made to the FTC to bring this to, to their attention because they've been monetizing this content for years and years and years at a really, really good rate, very, very aggressive ads that are clearly not targeted to kids so really i think the the option for them is do they they either swallow this or they get shut down altogether as a platform so it's a pretty straightforward decision to say what well, we'll, we'll stop monetizing kids but we'll still monetize everything else um that's going on but you know for me the the question is or not the question or the the point is only now, really, should advertisers be realising that they've been absolutely thrown away there, you know, in theory, a third of their ad dollars on adverts that are being served to a totally irrelevant kid's audience. As I said before, my kids are watching stuff and they're, they're being targeted by all sorts of companies that they are not the, the target for, and that's just an ad dollar waste. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just brings back the, th- the point that I've brought uh, in the past is that back when YouTube was starting, or even, you know, five years ago, ad agencies looked at YouTube as just remnant advertising. They don't you know they they look they don't look at it as as quality advertising that's why the cpms are low go to any uh, you know major website a major publishing website and ask for their video cpms and you will be blown away at these $50 rates uh usd rates right and uh you know as opposed to the youtube cpms so youtube has been using these numbers, these uh, inflated numbers, like every other social platform, right? It's like, oh, we have 1.2 billion users or blah, 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 blah. But it's like a lot of them are not quality users. They're just, you know, random accounts. They're kids' accounts that do not really, you know, are not of interest for many advertisers. And they use this as, you know, a way to sort of like get attention and say they're number one and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, it's the culling of content that just doesn't have quality. And I think we're, we're at, a, at a space in the internet where all platforms are at risk. Uh, the FTC specifically said that don't just look at YouTube. We're not looking just at YouTube. So this sounds like they're going to come after, you know, Twitter. Obviously, Twitter, there's no, no kids on Twitter. But, you know, there's TikTok. All these platforms are going to be really scrutinized uh, going forward. The age of the freeform internet seems to be going, coming to a close. Things are being regulated regulated more and more so don't expect this to be just a youtube thing yeah and so it looks likely that youtube kids will kind of be the last bastion of hope for uh kids content on youtube and we've already said that the bar to get into youtube kids and anna spoke about being removed from youtube kids uh because the bar has been raised. So it's going to be harder and harder to get into YouTube kids. Great questions from Andrew Shaw. And one of, one of his questions was how do, how do ads work inside YouTube kids? And I've got to say, I was a kind of a little bit oblivious to this. Mm-hmm. I knew it was, the answer was not great, uh, but I didn't know the technical answer. So I did a bit of research. And so basically ads are available inside of YouTube kids app. But they only show ads that are deemed, in air quotes, family friendly. And they are kind of signed off by humans and go through a kind of rigorous kind of quality check. Yeah. To make sure they're, they're suitable for, for the eyeballs in the, the kids app. Um, there's no click through allowed on any ads inside of YouTube kids or no adverts that kind of have a flow for you to kind of install a paid app or anything like mm-hmm. that, which they refer to as purchase flow so even if you do get inside youtube kids it's going to be much more difficult to get those ads played and then looking at the kind of t's and c's for if you want to run ads in youtube kids 
one of the most crazy things for me to see was you are not allowed to run any ads that include, and I quote, <laughs> the incitement to purchase. So you can't run an ad to try and get someone to purchase something, even if it's direct or indirect, Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, so it has to be like a brand play. Which makes sense. It makes total sense, but this may be a policy that they have to change going forward if they want to keep big publishers uh, on the platform because why do why will people continue to publish if they're getting zero return on their investment? So this might be something that they start to wave on a little bit at least. Well, they've, they've announced uh, that they're going to be investing in kids' content, right? So to me, what this means is that they're just going to turn into a television network, which is we invest in content, we work with producers, they create content for us, it's exclusive on a platform, uh, blah, 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 right? That, that's essentially what it's going to be. Like, and when everybody's sort of like, oh, how am I going to you know, like, have hope to, to be on this platform in the future? How? You know, I, I, the cynical part of me is like, you don't have hope unless your name is Fox Television or Disney or, uh, you know, another big television producer that's been making kids content for, you know, 20 years. YouTube might work with a few high, high profile YouTubers out there and maybe a couple of like indie studios, but you're going to have to be like, seriously vetted in terms of like the, t- the content you make for this platform. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I would be very surprised if they hired, you know, a small YouTuber to, to become, uh, to be in, in the YouTube kids app, uh, app uh, going forward. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So they've announced publicly, uh, I believe it's a hundred million dollar fund for educational kids content to roll out over the next three years. Well, in all honesty, that's not even going to, touch the sides of kind of the the revenue that's been lost across the creator ecosystem in the kids space but so i definitely think and this is purely my opinion this is not this is not inside information this is purely my hunch uh, like you say carlos that there'll be some kind of grant system where they offer they literally pay channels to keep publishing or at the very least keep up their existing content because if you're youtube Peppa Pig can't go away. Yeah. You know, Feynman Sam can't go away. Caillou can't go away. Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse can't go away. You know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they can't just have that disappear. You know, Coco Millen, not necessarily just the TV stuff, Little Baby Bomb. I can't imagine that disappears overnight. So I imagine, and I'm now a few more steps removed from, from the industry, I can imagine that there are conversations, if they've not already happened already, in the kind of corridors of power where certain publishers are getting some kind of stipend to to stay in to replace the income they've lost from AdSense. Yeah, it's just going to turn into a, a Netflix for kids. So as I was going to say exactly. So has the door open now for YouTube's quote unquote competitors to really step up to the plate and become the go-to destination for kids content um i'm not sure how much you know about these kind of alternatives uh carlos but um you know what do you think about anyone else's chances of kind of stepping in and um you know soaking up all of those lost eyeballs this is Disney's opportunity. BBC, like that, they're the ones that are going to like ramp up. If they were smart, they're just going to ramp up and jump into this opportunity here. And it's not an opportunity that just showed up. It's an opportunity that's been here for years because YouTube Kids has not been a great place. You know, it has gotten a lot of flack over the last few years about the type of content that they would let through. And what was great about YouTube Kids is that it was free and there was, you know, kids knew about it and that's why the parents would just let it, let it go. But it is a huge opportunity for the television networks of this world to sort of build their dedicated kids app. They all have them. They already do. It's just that, so, you know, that now it's, is the time to sort of like, you know, reinforce their safe, the safety features that they've had yeah. since the beginning and the vetting features that they've had. Everything that's happening right now just, forces YouTube to behave like a traditional uh, broadcaster. 
and uh, the rules that these broadcasters have had to, you know, abide to forever that YouTube has been, you know, able to sort of a skirt by. And, you know, a lot of this, not to sound like I'm wearing a tinfoil hat here, but like a lot of this has to do with the, the big media companies complaining more and more as, you know, online platforms get away with things that they shouldn't have been getting away with, you know, versus versus the traditional broadcasters, right? So uh, it's that, that to me, there's going to be opportunities for new, you know, uh, providers always, because this is going to limit YouTube's reach, which was uh, time sucking. It sucked everybody's attention, right? So now YouTube's going to have less of a place in this, you know, they're going to be cut down a bit, and which might mean, you know, new apps, new services uh, might mean big networks launching their not launching but almost like relaunching or re promoting their services that already abide by these ad ftc rules right they've all been following these rules for years and now basically youtube's been put back down to that level um that's essentially my i feel like i'm ranting but that's 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 what's gonna happen yeah nice uh yeah i can't believe that i ever disney what what great timing for Disney's yeah. uh, new platform? That's yeah. going to be amazing. Netflix could maybe step up their investment. I'm not sure how much they would feel the need mm-hmm. to do that, but they they certainly could. They have taken former YouTube properties in the past. I know that um, Amazon yeah. I think is a, a, in a really good position because they are still a semi open platform where you can, with their Amazon Prime Video Direct, you can kind of be an outsider and get onto the platform, unlike Netflix. And then there are, uh, you know, potentially Twitch could maybe become a home. (laughs) Um, Again, there is a a connection there with Amazon, so I'm not sure there. Um, And then there are the kind of other kind of more walled gardens that are dedicated for, for kids. So things like Hopstar and then there's Kidoodle, which I believe this week got to the, the number one kids-related app download in the App Store. And Kidoodle is uh, a platform which curate all of the, the, the content with inside of the, the app. And that is kind of headed up by a good friend of mine called Brenda Bisner, and she's been out on the road talking about the importance of creating safe environments for kids and uh, safe streaming. And I definitely think that it's going to be boom time for apps like that, where it's still mainly ad funded, but it also deals with all of the kind of negative sides that YouTube and YouTube kids haven't been able to quite fix yet. Yeah. Something mentioned when you brought up Twitch, like, the gaming industry is going to be affected by this as well. And this could be another, yeah, another, it's... another show on itself. But when you think about yeah. all the video games and one specific comment that I saw, it's like Fortnite is essentially a kid's game. Right. And there are a lot of kids watching that. So, you know, imagine, you know, how, if, if, if Fortnite content gets deemed children's content, like that would yeah. destroy um, that. Right. Yeah. And like, what about, yeah, so there's so many great areas like retro cartoons that are technically kids' content, but really, you know, let's say for example, like take the, you know Thundercats. I don't oh know my god, I love that. YouTube, but as an as an example, yeah. that is technically kids' content, but it would really be aimed at sad millennials like <laughs> me who <laughs> would, would still watch Thundercats in their mid thirties. Um, so there's so many great areas that we couldn't even begin to yeah. touch on, but yeah, we'll obviously we'll do some kind of update to see how the, the fallout, the fallout goes, but yeah, like Minecraft videos, are they aimed at kids or not? Or, you know, who's, who's to say, who's to say? So um, to close up, first off, a few things. When we publish this this uh, episode, we'll put a blog post, as I said, with uh, Andrew Short's questions, as well as a bunch of links. Uh, I would highly recommend you watch uh, Daryl Eves' massive YouTube changes happening video. Daryl always does an awesome job of like being like level-headed and really explaining how things, uh, what's happening in the industry. I would also like, you know, obviously the kids and family channels are going to be very affected right by this and um friends of mine from uh, ontario here in in canada the ab family made a uh, the ends 
of kids and family channels video and it's a very adult sort of parents perspective video and they they welcome this change right to them they've you know they they're one of the smartest family channels i've ever ever seen where like they understand the landscape and they understand you know the risks of it and they understand their uh, responsibility in in this space and uh it's a great video to watch very level-headed and they understand you know that just you know that they have a great perspective we'll put a bunch of links in the description as well from articles that inspired this that helped us with this episode just like andrew short brickadillo did like don't be shy to sort of email us at hello at videoinsiders.fm if you have any questions episode ideas stuff you'd like to hear us talk about we really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to hearing from everybody yeah, uh, so thanks again to Andrew Shaw, a.k.a. Brickadillo on YouTube. Thanks again to Anna Tyree, uh, a.k.a. Bella from Bella and Beans TV, as well as uh, Anna from Anna's Big Adventures and uh, her various other channels. And, of course, we could not do any of this without our headline sponsor, TubeBuddy. So thank you again to TubeBuddy. And remember, you can get an exclusive multi-channel uh, license uh, deal by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Thank you. And guys, if you found this useful, do not forget to leave us a rating or review in the podcaster or podcatcher of your <laughs> choice and tell a friend in or out of the industry that they need to be listening to the Video Insiders. Please share. Until next time, we've been the Video Insiders. Thank you. And goodbye. Thank you. Have a good one. <laughs>